founded in 1953 by the University of Western Australia, the Perth Festival is the longest running international arts festival in Australia, and it is Western Australia's premier cultural event. The festival's ambition is to lift audience expectations and opportunities for Western Australian arts practice, contributing to a vibrant and resilient culture. The festival has developed a worldwide reputation for excellence in its international program, the presentation of new works and the highest quality artistic experiences for the people of Western Australia. The overall economic impact of the Perth Festival is estimated to be over $22 million. In today's case study, we talked to Executive Director Nathan Bennett on everything sponsorship and funding for the Perth Festival. In our discussions, Nathan reveals the strategy behind the International Art Festival's sponsorship approach. So first of all, the first question was just a bit of background. So if you could just tell us a little bit about the Perth Festival. Sure. So we're, we're the oldest, longest running uh, multi-arts festival in, in Australia, in fact, in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, we have a, a program that includes a, an outdoor film season that runs for about four months of the year. We have a, a beautiful 1,000-seat outdoor cinema on the UWA campus. Uh, we have a, an extensive visual arts program that runs across a range of uh, existing galleries around the city that runs for a series of, of months. Uh, but the, the core focus of the festival is, is three weeks over February and March where we, we have a, uh, a program of, of theatre, circus, dance, contemporary music, classical music, uh, you, you name it. Um, so we're, we're fairly large by, um, by festival, uh, in festival terms and certainly in Western Australian terms. Yeah, yeah. And how large is the festival in terms of visitor numbers and has that been growing, you know, on an annual basis? So it varies from, from year to year. Look at, looking at the 2019 festival, uh, we had about 450,000 attendances. Of that number, the vast majority were, were Perth locals. Uh, we're, we're looking to increase um, visitation numbers significantly. At the moment, it's sitting at about six or seven percent um, of that attendance figure, who were people coming from outside of Perth. Mm. But that that's across our free and ticketed uh, program. So we we run a, a free program of events. The, the most significant example this year was an event we ran in Kings Park, where we had two hundred thousand attendances over four nights. Wow big numbers. And when you talk about visitors, are you focused on, you know, more intrastate, so that WA market, or is there plans to look at that interstate visitation coming in as well? So our uh, state government is very mindful of the fact that WA has been very dependent on the resource sector for a very long time, and they see tourism as part of the solution uh, moving into the future as a destination event and priorities. And that's partly, it's partly about the brand of Western Australia, but it's also about bringing new, new money into the economy. And for that purpose, it needs to come from outside of the state, um, ideally outside of the country. Yeah. And I guess that's what a lot of states are striving for, right? That new money coming into the state. Yeah, exactly. Okay, my next one is around your sponsorship strategy. So um, if you're willing to share, I would love to know how you determine what new partnerships you want to create for the festival and also just an understanding of how important sponsorship is to the festival. I, just to give you some context, so the events that will be the audience for this particular case study, they are heavily dependent on sponsorship and I guess I'm 
I'm trying to encourage them to have, I guess, more sustainable revenue streams for their events so they don't have that, you know, long-term reliance on sponsorship or government funding. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's really about trying to educate them on that broader financial model. Okay. Uh, So to put that in context for you, sponsorship remains important for us. It represents about $3 million of our $17 or $18 million turnover. So that's about 17% of that that $3 million or so. Half of it is cash uh, and half of it is is in-kind. And that that in-kind support might be um, advertising space or food and beverage or or, um, a a range of things that we need uh, that might provide some budget relief. Uh, and in some cases, they're, they're just nice to have, <laughs> but certainly the ones that provide budget relief are more, more important to us. That mix is shifting. The cash um, component is, is getting much harder to secure and, and much more difficult to service, which I think is a trend nationwide. WA is probably a little bit protected in that we're still fairly sponsorship heavy, uh, despite the, the trend over the last few years indicating that we are going to go the, the, the direction of, of other, uh, mm. um, other states. Uh, but it's always going to be important to us what what we look at in determining whether or not a partner is a is a good fit on, on the cash side is what the what the net value of that partnership is going to be because in many cases it costs a lot to service partnerships as opposed to philanthropy which is, is a really significant growth area for us where people are looking for some kind of you know social or cultural return rather than some financial return that will satisfy shareholders or owners of a, a business or corporation. But nonetheless, it remains important. There are, there are big corporate uh, players in, in Perth that, that we want to have a good relationship with. Some of those people that we meet through those corporate relationships um, become individual supporters themselves. So to, to make a distinction between you know, an individual and a corporation, I think is a, it's not a black and white situation. Mm-hmm. We, we have uh, relationships with people who, who work within an organisation. We don't have relationships with an organisation. Um, so we're, we're very mindful of the fluidity of, of those um, relationships. What we try to do is engage people with the festival uh, and the impact of the festival, which is increasingly something that both corporations and individuals, in fact, want to understand. They want to know that their support is enabling us to have some kind of social or cultural impact within the community that we operate. In, in the case of corporates, they're also wanting to ensure that there's some kind of financial return. Um, so as long as um, we work on an 80-20 basis, if it's costing us 20% of the sponsorship value to service that sponsor and no more, then that's acceptable. But if it starts to get higher than that, then we need to consider whether or not there's value to us in addition. And that might be with a view to establishing a longer term partnership or, or scaling it up in some way. Or, or to give you a specific example, we've just established a relationship with an organisation called Hawaiian that operates a number of um, shopping centres around uh, around Perth, and part of that um, partnership includes some, some activations within the centre um, that we see as a really really important promotional vehicle for the mm. festival as well. So it's 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 a, a win win win. They're they're supporting the festival. They're giving us an opportunity to have some some presence in one of their centres, and they're, they're enhancing their their shopper or visitor experience by giving them something that's a bit unique. That's excellent. I, I'm really interested to understand better that difference between corporates and individuals. So can you just tell me more about how that arrangement works from an individual point of view? Uh, in terms of the, the philanthropy programs that yeah. we run? Yeah. Yeah. So we, as I said, we're about a 17 or $18 million annual turnover until 
about two or three years ago, we only had less than $300,000 being donated by individuals. That number's looking like it'll be close to a million dollars this year after some, some significant um, focus on, on wow. that part of our uh, revenue. Uh, and we, we see that as critical because it's much more sustainable, as I said. We, we have only a handful of, of cash sponsors. And I, I, of, of that, let's say $1.5 million of cash sponsorship, there are only maybe 10 partners, which means that our, our risk is quite significant. If we lose one of those, that's a big chunk of money. Uh, but, but in terms of individuals, we have people supporting us at everything from, from $10 through to $50,000 and everything in between. So if we, if we lose one of those, it's not going to have the same kind of critical impact as if we lose yeah. one of our big partners. And we find that we have really engaged, meaningful relationships with individuals who, as I said earlier, I want to see a social return. They're, they're not interested in the, the mm. getting any kind of return on their investment except making the community better, um, spending some time with, with the festival, but more importantly with the artists that we present and, and, and represent and bring to Perth. And, and they also want to genuinely see that there, there's an impact in the community in terms of, for, for example, the, the work we do with, with young people or the, or the work we do developing uh, the local art sector through, through workshops and masterclasses. So do you have a specific program around the individuals in terms of how they can actually get involved? Like there's been some discussion recently over here on the East Coast with a few events I've been talking to around the opportunity for, you know, starting something like a crowdfunding program to do exactly like what you're talking about, to take away that, you know, that risk of having um, a few high-level corporate partners and trying to look at the opportunity for individuals that, you know, either want to contribute to their local community or they see, you know, great opportunity to, you know, get involved in something. And a lot of people don't have time these days to contribute a lot to, you know, whether they be community initiatives or arts initiatives. So that idea of being able to contribute financially appears to be a fairly hot topic at the moment. So do you actually have, you know, I guess I'm wondering is, do you have a framework around that or how did you actually get that off the ground initially? Yeah, we, we do. And we have a, a series of programs, I suppose, that align um, individuals with particular aspects of what the festival mm. delivers. So we have uh, our longest running program is called the Medici program. And, and historically, that program was created because we, we literally couldn't afford to bring this fantastic piece of work to Perth. And we've got a group of people to rally around it. And they all contributed an amount of money each and they continue to support an event uh, that is typically a large-scale international work on an annual basis and they've been doing so for many many years so that program was in existence when i arrived but we also started to look at what, what other opportunities we had to align people with, with different aspects of what we were already doing so we have an education program there are lots of individuals and trusts and foundations who who feel very passionately about making sure that young people in particular have access to, to good quality work and, and also what's unique about our program is that it also positions young people as creators of work, not just passive mm -hmm. consumers, but, but they're actually core to the program itself. And, and a lot of our supporters see, see that as a really unique and, and interesting way to engage young people with creativity and innovation. We, we have, um, as I also mentioned, a, a commitment to developing the local arts sector. So some of our supporters, they want to see that we're investing in um, upskilling, um, not, not just artists, but also production crew, administrators, uh, so that we can have a much healthier ecosystem. And that's very important uh, for them. 
We also have a, a new group that we, we've just launched over the last uh, six months or so, which is a group that our chair has, has brought together, a group of people who support us at a significant level. They're, they're each uh, and they've made three considerations. It's, it's much more difficult, I find, to get corporate partners to commit over multi-years, but, but individuals are much more open uh, to, to making a multi-year commitment. So we, we've currently got about uh, almost a dozen uh, couples contributing $20,000 each who get nothing in return except for special access to the festival. So we create some, some very low-cost opportunities for them to get together with each other, so they see some of them will others see value in the networking opportunities that come from that. But critically, they, they get behind the scenes access to the festival. They get to meet the artists. They get to have a conversation with us, and and they feel part of it. Mm. Um, an initiative that we're we haven't yet got off the ground, but we're we're about to, is a, a fund that's dedicated to commissioning work. We we have uh, typically brought in a lot of work from from elsewhere, but increasingly we're looking at making our own work. It's a very expensive undertaking. But what we anticipate is that for people to have an opportunity to follow the, the, the trajectory of, of a piece of work as it develops is a, is a fantastic opportunity. Mm. The, the sense of uh, ownership that they'll have of that work when it finally hits the stage, assuming it hits the stage, will, will be significant. Um, so I, I think the key point is that the, the strength of the relationships that we can establish with individuals by interacting with them around the festival is, is what, what's going to ensure that we have a sustainable um, stream of revenue, whereas the, the volatility of corporate support is um, difficult to anticipate. But, but mm. so often, as I'm sure many people will be able to relate to, the corporate support finishes because there's been a, a restructure of the organisation or a shift in strategic focus. And we could be blindsided by that because we had no, no indication that it was coming to an end. Individuals, in my experience, you, you need to have upset them somehow in order for them to stop supporting you, unless, of course, their personal circumstances change. But it's much easier to keep people happy than it is to uh, continue to service uh, corporate partnerships, I think. Yeah, wow, that's great. That is really great to hear you talk about that, actually. Um, so my next question, many festivals struggle to value their assets when they're considering sponsorship or any kind of, you know, partnership arrangement. Um, you know, it's, there's often, I often have these conversations with people where they feel that they can't add a certain value to an element of their festival if it's not something that is, you know, tangible or really directly measurable. So I'm interested, you know, to know in terms of the way you go about your partnerships, how do you actually put a value on things? Well, I think the, the, the value of anything is so subjective. So that the most important thing for us to understand is what, what is relevant to a particular partner that we're, that we're cultivating. So we spend a lot of time with prospects over a long period, 12, 18 months before we, we have a really focused conversation on what it is um, we want to propose. We, we never put a proposal uh, forward without having some insight into what they value rather than what we think is valuable. So the sorts of things that, that our partners value are, um, you know, they might be interested in corporate hospitality or just entertaining clients. They might be interested in, in engaging their staff in some way. They might be interested in, in um, brand recognition, having, having you know, their, their logo all over the place. Or it might be about um, building their customer base by leveraging the, the access to customers, audiences, whatever that we have. So... To work out which of those elements are going to be most valuable to a partner is the, the most important thing because that's what we talk about. 
um, any festival has so many different kinds of opportunities to offer. We, we can't undervalue what we have. And I think the, the trap that we often fall into, and we're guilty of this too, is that we undervalue what we have to the point where we're, we're offering the world and not, not actually getting that much back in return. Um, so once, once we've established what the partner's interest in, interested in, we can start to look at what we have that might, might sit within that. In fact, I forgot the most important category. A lot of organisations do have a good social conscience and want to see that they're, or, or want to be seen to be aligned with a particular kind of activity that they can then talk about as being important to, to the culture of that, that organisation. And in many ways, they're the best partnerships to get because it's, it's less, less tangible in terms of the, the return they look at, what a, what a prospect might be at um, our, our festival. And we, we try and avoid aligning partners with specific events because events change from year to year. What's better for us to have a longer term relationship with partners is to look at programs that we run, that run every year. They might have events sitting within them, but the alignment is with the program rather than at an event level. Uh, so it might include, and, and typically does include, a whole lot of, lot, a lot of tickets and hospitality so that they can bring their clients or each other together. But it also means that we can get a room in, get in a room with their clients and, um, and, and different parts of, of their business, which, which benefits them. They like to see that we're engaged and not just putting them in the corner, but it also benefits us in extending our networks for the festival. Sure, we put, we put logos around the place, but I think that's, that's the kind of least interesting part of any corporate partnership. We do have a page in our brochure. We, we have signage up. At events, but but the the sorts of interesting activations that we can create for partners in many cases are, are much more effective because they they get much better cut through with, with audiences. If, if there's something that our audiences can actually interact with and engage with, uh, they they tend to have a, a, a better better experience. So so we go through this whole process of understanding what um, what partners are after. We put a proposal together and. Nine times out of ten, after months and months of work, it doesn't go anywhere. But when it, when it does, it's a, it's a great result. Yeah, yeah, I know. The, I feel the other pain. part of all of our partnerships is um, evaluation, particularly in terms of the, the social or cultural impact we can demonstrate through their their support, but also in terms of it's just the, the pure output. How many eyeballs we, we've been able to offer them? What what the kind of engagement was online with the content? Um, how many people came? All of those things are important too. Yeah, absolutely. It's Look, I think we've answered the next question. We've kind of been talking about that in between um, these other questions, this whole thing of, you know, sponsorship or corporate sponsorship getting so much harder for festivals and events to secure these days. It seems to be getting a lot more competitive, but also the big corporates just aren't putting out as much money at the moment is the feeling that we get. Yes. So. Any other comments you want to add to that or are you happy with what we've talked about already? Yeah, just, just to underline that point, I think that it's, it's much more effective to have relationships and conversations with individuals and ask them for money than, than trying to flog the, the sponsorship horse. While it's still important in terms of the balance and the relative sustainability, individual support for whatever the organisation is, I think is going to be much a much better bet. Yeah. And do you have any other you know, I guess, new innovative kind of funding models or revenue streams that you have started using for your event? Something that I've found really successful is, is the idea of matched funding. So securing a gift in most cases of, of let's say, $50,000 and then having some kind of mechanism by which people can donate to whatever the cause is. 
uh, and feel like their their money is being doubled because of the matching arrangement that's in place. People feel like they're they're getting double double the bang for their buck. They they get a tax deduction and the contribution to the the festival in our case is is doubled. So that that's quite an effective way of creating some urgency and getting people to to support something. Yeah, I love that. You, you mentioned crowdfunding. I think it depends on the context. It depends on what assets you have to sell. It depends on the you know the, the product, what it is you what it is you're selling. I've tried it before and have had it's quite a lot of work to maintain that level of communication that's required with people who are part of that sort of campaign, but it can be very effective. Mm-hmm. So I think it's definitely worth exploring. There are some really great tools online. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, it's about I this whole conversation around sponsorship and I think, you know, it's certainly just going to get harder and harder and events need to look at alternative opportunities to try to bring in that revenue. And, you know, I think your tips around working with individuals are, really great you know I think that whole thing of working with the individuals that you know essentially want to align themselves with something with very little return is going to be such a, an easier thing to service for festivals and events yeah absolutely and, and also that there's a you know a limited number of organizations that are going to have capacity to provide sponsorship but individuals um, have their own networks who can be leveraged to provide increasing amounts of support for an organization so we often tell our, our donors that they're they're not just supporting us they've, they've got a role to play in, in bringing in more support for the festival and we, we found that to be very successful too mm. look you've already given us some great tips just in what you've talked about already but do you have any other tips for other events or, or new events that you know and particularly new events you know when it's hard to really get or establish that financial mm-hmm. footing to you know, move forward, it's often hard to get grant funding initially and then sponsors are a little bit reluctant to come in on something that's quite new. Have you got any thoughts or tips on what could be considered? Yeah, look, to be honest, I haven't had much experience working uh, at that kind of, you know, startup level. Uh, mm. But I think that the, the, I, I have certainly had experience trying to generate support for new, new ideas and I think that uh, to have really good quality, well, the first thing is to have a really clear vision, to be really competent at explaining in 30 seconds what it is you're trying to achieve is critical. That The elevator pitch that everyone refers to is really, really important. But you need some good materials to back that up. So good quality prospectus that, that talks about exactly what it is that you're offering and in the case of sponsorship, what, what the benefits are uh, to, to the organisations. Yeah, great. Thank you. I'm and sure now, you've got many more ideas than that. Oh, uh, it's well. Look, it's hard. Um, you know, I seriously, I've in the last twelve months, I've been approached by a couple of events in New South Wales and Queensland, new events. So come to me with a concept. So I work on them in that event development phase. And when you start looking at the financial model for a new event, it's tough. You know, yeah. it's it actually it's really tough because you go to funding bodies and a lot of them these days will say we don't fund startup events you know they're really expecting that local government will actually foot the bill for that startup phase for events but then local government has you know varying levels of um, interest and support for events so yeah it's pretty tough for new events they've pretty much got to just start small and prove themselves and do a really good job of that first year on a small scale to prove the concept and if they can prove the concept, then they can take baby steps to move it forward. But most people that want to start an event don't want to start that small. 
<laughs> uh, I guess I'll have to put their own money into it then. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's great to secure a new partner, but you would know this better than me. Uh, the hardest part is actually servicing them. Do you have any, you know, systems in place or processes that you're familiar with that make it easier to actually manage or track that delivery of benefits to your sponsors and partners? Look, it, it, it's really complex and time-consuming. You're absolutely right. We are constantly looking at the systems we have in place to, to streamline it, but it's always going to take up time because a lot of partners, and in many cases, rightly so, are quite demanding of our time. Uh, because it's all relationship-based, uh, it takes time to service them just by having lots and lots of conversations. I, I think we're fortunate in that we have a, a team of people that, that work year-round in this area. The evaluation, as I mentioned, is a really key part of it because we can we can standardise most of that and just cut and paste bits and pieces that demonstrate the value of, of uh, their, their investment. So that that's fairly smooth running at the moment. The first um, check is the one I mentioned earlier, which is to make sure that or try and understand what the, what the servicing cost is going to be <laughs> based on the investment that they're making. What I find is that there's a, a inverse relationship between the amount of support and the relative cost of service. So we have some partners, restaurant partners mostly, who are, who are providing us with $2,500 worth of you know, contra meals in their restaurants, which is important. It's important for us to have, but it, it costs us significantly more than that to case that there's other value on the books in, in the from a, an audience or consumer perspective it's, it's good for us to have those partnerships but but it's interesting that the, the smaller the partnership the more more it costs us to service them i totally get that actually i was talking to somebody about it this morning actually uh, another event down in victoria and we were just talking about you know potential sponsors and funding opportunities and it's exactly what i said to them i said look just be really mindful often it's often a case of the smaller the contribution or the smaller that partner, the more work that's involved in servicing them. And often it's much more efficient or effective to actually look to attract, you know, a, a couple of higher level sponsors to help support that. And, you know, yeah, it just becomes a real challenge to yeah. manage that time and to keep track of everything. And then you have, you know, situations where sponsors will come to you two months out from the event and say, you know, can you give me an update on what is actually being delivered for us or, you know, where are things up to? And it can yeah. be a real hard, tough slog. Yeah, I agree, which is why it's so important at the outset to be really clear about what the expectations are and for, for us internally to determine what the service or delivery cost of that's going to be and then put it in a really tight contract. <laughs> mm. Have you ever had to turn away a sponsor like partway through and just a difficult sponsor that was just taking too much time to service was really difficult, you know, through the whole process. And you just thought, you know what, it's easier to let this one go. There are a few where I would have liked to have done that, but I, <laughs> I can't say that I've ever had the, the guts. Yeah. I know an event that I worked on, I didn't work on the actual sponsorship for this particular event, but they had to do just that. And that was earlier this year. One particular sponsor was just becoming so difficult and unrealistic in terms of their expectation that yeah. they just had to have the conversation with them and say, look, at this point, we think it's going to be best for both of us if we just draw the line in the sand and say goodbye. Yeah. So I've never terminated a contract mid midway, but I've certainly been involved in conversations uh, through the renewal process. And, and in most cases, I find that if it's not working, it's not working for either party. Yeah. Uh, 
So I've, I've never had a, a situation where we've ended a partnership that's been, you know, acrimonious in any way. They've all always ended for the right reasons, I think. Yeah, yeah. Look, just one final question I'd like to ask you around sponsorship. What's your process in that renewal? You just mentioned, you know, you've been involved in the conversations around renewal um, and you also mentioned before how it's harder to get particularly corporate sponsors to have that multi-year um, agreement in place you know, how much emphasis do you focus, do you put on that renewal process? So post-event, you know, that maintaining relationships, trying to renew and extend contracts. Yeah. So we're always pushing for multi-year agreements, not not just for our benefit, but I think it's it's beneficial for a partner as well to be able to evaluate the relationship over a number of years. In many cases, that's just not possible. Um, so we do look at an annual renewal. Many of them roll over like for like because they're fairly straightforward and, and everything's working for, for all parties. And sometimes there's a change in decision maker on, on the partner side uh, and we need to go through a much more rigorous process to talk about the history of the relationship and what we've been able to deliver. And, and in some cases, if they're shifting their direction, we need, to, we need to pivot a little as well so that we can make sure that what we're offering is, is in line with, with their, their new direction. But mm. we, we invest a lot of time in that. It's much, much easier for us to retain an existing supporter than to go out and find a new one. And that, yeah. that's true with both sponsors and, and donors. So what, you don't want to fall into a trap where you think you've got them, you don't need to service them anymore, you just deliver the bare minimum and then hope that they roll over. I think you really need to appreciate the, the ones that you already have on board are more valuable in that they're more likely to stay on compared to someone you might, might need to sign on from, from scratch. Mm. It's a lot of work, isn't it? And, it's, and this is, you know, when we have these events that sponsorship is just one part of their responsibility in the event management process. And I just, what I see is they're not, well, they just don't have the capacity to give it the time and energy that it needs. So they're always chasing their tail. And, you know, unfortunately, without that resource allocated to it with the relevant skills to manage relationships, it's really tough. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, I'm mindful of that here as well. Um, one of the things that I have put in place is, is um, uh, I've made it possible for me to spend much more time myself, on, especially on new business development, so that, that I can play a role in that and help offset some of the workload. Mm, yeah, it's a big one. All right, so my final question for you, Nathan. Uh, actually, there's two little questions. I always like to ask people what their top tip is. This doesn't have to be related to sponsorship. So what would be your top tip for event organisers? My top tip for event organisers? Look, I think in the context of the conversation we've just had, it's all about the strength of the relationships that you establish. At a higher level, my top tip for event organisers is to ensure that they remain relevant. Ah, yes. (laughs) But that's a whole other conversation. Absolutely. I would love to talk to you about that. That's... um, yeah, I've just been talking um, last week with a group of events in Victoria about that whole post-event review process and, you know, how important it is to ensure renewal and reinvigoration and exactly like you say, you know, staying fresh and current. Yeah, it's very competitive and audience expectations are changing dramatically. So for a curated festival like ours, uh, we, we need to be very mindful of the fact that uh, people are curating their own experiences increasingly. So what, what role do we play? Yeah, wonderful. Thank That's you for that one. one. Um, and finally, um, do you have any recommended event resources? So it could be a book, it could be a conference, it could be, 
you know, networking events, Facebook groups, anything that you use as a great resource or a go-to when we talk about events and, and particularly about, you know, keeping your event current and fresh. Yeah. Look, I, I can't think of any specific resources, but I can tell you that I rely very much on my own network of peers. Uh, it's a very collegiate group. We often share information and ideas and strategies and that, that I find very useful. But I can't point you to a specific resource. My current thinking is that you're the, probably the best, the best <laughs> resource. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I, I think But what you've said is really important, you know, even in your, own, you know, in your own area, your own region, your own state, you know, if you can find a great little network of other events, event professionals, event experts that can come together and share um, you're absolutely right. It's, it is really powerful. Yeah, I think so. Thank you.